This week's podcast brought to you by Dumbbell Towers. Spring is here. The snow has melted. I promised our son that if he scooped up the uh, the dog poop in the in the yard that was under the snow, I'd give him a quarter per pile, and uh, I, already, I already owe him 25 bucks, and he's not halfway through the job. So I'm going to have to figure out a way delicately to renegotiate that contract. It's noon on Tuesday as we record this. We are not drinking beer at noon on Tuesday in a bar that faces a giant car wash, as in Cheryl Crow's All I Want to Do. But we are here in the basement at noon on Tuesday. It's beautiful outside. You were uh, in the studio until 1 a.m. last night? No, I was there till midnight, a little after midnight. I got home at 1 a.m. Well, I was asleep when you got home, and I was asleep when you got up. But uh, sometime... That is true. How, how exactly does that work? That means you got in too late and up and too up early. Up too early, yeah, that's true. Because I certainly didn't... I don't feel like I've, I'm have i well-rested. And I'm, I'll be back in the studio again today. That's that. The, it gets harder to spend the entire day in the studio the nicer it is outside. <laughs> so yesterday when I got out of my car to go in, it was gorgeous, sunny and warm. And uh, gosh, I'm going to be in a room without windows for the next... I don't know, eight or nine hours, whatever it was. But uh, but we're in the heart of March Madness, the women's NCAA tournament. First day, not a single upset. Second day, number of upsets and near upsets. It's uh, It's been fun to watch. And now we're in a windowless room in the basement doing the podcast, having spent the weekend in a windowless series of windowless rooms uh, of youth basketball games. Yeah. Do you think we will see the beautiful weather or experience it at some point? I'm confident that yes, that will happen. And then, and I'm thinking the near future, the near future. Basketball season's almost over for the kids, youth basketball. Basketball season's almost over for me, college basketball. And then we can enjoy all of the beautiful sunshine. I couldn't remember if we talked last week about the weight room controversy in the NCAA, but that happened over the weekend, you say. It happened over the weekend. It's... It's uh, interesting, we'll put it this way, it's interesting that every single year, the first weekend of the women's college tournament, there's a like an adjacent narrative that hijacks all of the, the press and all of the stories away from the games. And this has driven me nuts for years. And I can remember... Um, well, I don't have to. I can remember. This is this is so recent. But, you know, when UConn was going on its run when uh, Brianna Stewart was there and they won four national championships in a row, two or three years in a row after the first weekend of games, the first day of games, when UConn would play and they would beat their 16 seed by a ton of points, someone, some talking head would say in, in their newspaper or on ESPN, you know, UConn is UConn. Are, is UConn bad for women's basketball? Are they bad for women's basketball? And so I would go into- I think into talking th- heads in newspapers are typing heads. <laughs> there you go, typing heads and the talking heads. on. And it was usually on a Sunday. So I would go into Bristol. These were not people who are particularly interested in what was good or bad for women's basketball. No, they, didn't, the they wouldn't pay weeks, attention to it. Weeks of the year. They wouldn't pay attention to it at any other point. So UConn would play, they'd, they'd crush their 16 seed. 
I'd go in on a Sunday and, and we would have like a half hour break in between our windows of games and you all prepared to talk about this team or that team or, you know, this surprise team. And instead, the night before or that morning, some bozo would be on talking about is UConn bad for women's basketball? And it would hijack what we were going to do. So now, as the women's but, basketball... But you, you could tell, I'm sure, that their main concern was what is or isn't right. good for women's basketball. Of course. They were truly invested in what, what was best for the game. So instead of us talking about all these things we would plan to talk about as the women's college basketball studio crew, of course we had to address their, their controversy. So this year is slightly different in, in that... Um, it was kind of women's basketball that, that turned this into a story. But um, the plan all along was for the women's teams to get a weight room. Once they got to the Sweet 16, there is limited space um, in Texas at, at, in the convention center and where the not, women not are practicing. That limited space in Texas in No, general. no, in the, where they're practicing. So like a bunch of people, you, you could see these ridiculous tiny weight racks that had dumbbells on them. There was one dumbbell a, tower. In, next, next to every court. And what it, the NCAA said was that was never intended to be the weight room. That was just f- as the players got ready to come on the court, if they were warming up, that's what those were intended for. You can choose to believe that or not to believe that. But they did have a storage well, room. Well, I, I, I actually, that part, and probably only that part, I do believe because it would be, it was, it would be much less ridiculous to have an empty room than to have the one right, of course. It was the most bizarre. The little, I was actually kind of disappointed. I was hoping that it, when we started games on Sunday, that right next to my desk I, in studio, I would be able to have one of those dumbbell racks, never address it, never say a word, just have it there. But I, I saw it referred happen. to it as one dumbbell tower and, and ever since have thought of the NCAA headquarters as being located at one dumbbell tower. Is it the NBA offices that are located at Olympic Tower? Yeah, and and Apple was always like one infinite loop. So, <laughs> um, and so they they the NCAA this whole time, and we we know this because Holly Roy was down there and did his. We've done conference calls about this and all other things. They've had a storage room full of all the weight weight equipment. They were just waiting for the Sweet 16 so that when teams lost and they required fewer practice courts, they would remove one of those courts and make that the weight room. And may I ask you, did you lift weights during the NCAA tournament when you Never. were in college? But the, the, the difference being, this is a unique year. All of the teams went down and they had a couple days of quarantine. They were there a week before they practiced. That would never happen in the past. So Yes, there were teams who wanted to use the weight facility. And in fairness, that was 25 years ago, and and perhaps there have been advances in (laughs) science and medicine. Right. And so the other thing is that, um, you know, the women's basketball committee or or group of people, like, this was signed off on. This was approved. Yes, we are okay with not having a weight room until the Sweet 16. A bunch of teams brought their own equipment to be able to do a variety of things with their teams in their hotels and so forth. Anyway. Huge, like Sedona Prince, who has a, a who is a, a center, a six seven center for um, Oregon, has a really large following on TikTok. She posted videos about this stuff. It became a really big deal. Um, and two days later, the NCAA had brought out that equipment that they already have, put it up in a weight room. Problem, sort of solved. So, well, uh, weightlifting problem solved. The PR problem not so much oh, no. solved. Because they because because like most things, they handled it horribly. And of course, the bigger issue is, and this is something we'll never have, at least 
not anytime soon have the answer to is what is the men's NCAA budget and what is the women's NCAA tournament budget? Of course, they're different. Uh, of of course, they're unique in, in, in what they need. But do the women get enough? My guess is probably not. My guess is that the women's committee was doing the best they could with the resources they were given. Of course, the bigger issue is that they weren't given enough resources. And it seems in all of these uh, annual controversies where there's a discrepancy in the weight rooms, there's there's a discrepancy in the swag bags or swag rooms, uh, there's a discrepancy in who gets to use the phrase March Madness and who doesn't. All of these little accidents always, in every single case, seem to benefit the men. Um, you know, if, if it were truly uh, uh, accidents, right. perhaps you would think that the it would be more of a of a fifty fifty situation. Right. On occasion, maybe the women would benefit from these accidents. Accidentally get the uh, get access to the swag room and the men not. <laughs> and then the, the phrase that the NCAA used, and that this is how they keep referring to it: it was a miss. It was a miss because, of course, we have to talk about it in ba- basketball language. It was a miss, but to their credit, they they fixed the problem. Um, pretty quickly. But anyway, it was another weekend where, and in and, and, and all honesty too, like I was on Saturday or Friday, ESPN was contacting me. Can you come on our, sh- come on SportsCenter tonight? Can you come on our show tomorrow to talk about this controversy? If there wasn't this controversy, they would not have had me on to ca- talk about the games. That's just not, that's not how it operates. That's not how it works. I understand that. We all understand that. So, but once again, it was the first weekend Instead of talking about the games, we were talking about something else, usually putting a negative light on women's college basketball. And, and as a result, you have your own podcast and are talking about the controversy. Right, and exactly, the exactly, exactly. But in fairness, you, it you was do, a pretty hot topic for a little while. And you do talk about the game and the games all 52 weeks of the year. Yes, <laughs> in fairness. <laughs> As we like to do here, here's a complete non sequitur, but I wanted to get your thoughts on this because the kids and I are in the car. We're driving the luxurious minivan and we got behind uh, an automobile whose license plate was B-Y-M-I-L-K, by milk. Yes. So the kids and I had a, a lengthy enough conversation about, do we think by milk is that person's last name? Do you no. think this is somebody who lives on a dairy farm and it was too many letters to have B-U-Y milk, but that's what they want. They want you to go and, and consume more milk. Do you think it was somebody who is vegan and it, they didn't have enough letters and it should have been B-Y-E it's, M-I-L-K? We we had a relatively lengthy... It, you would have, you, I think you would have been proud of the, your children having a lengthy conversation about this. It's, it's definitely somebody who lives on a dairy farm okay, uh, or who has a calcium deficiency or is being held hostage and is sending you a secret signal. Via the DMV? Via the DMV, yes. Um, but, uh, but, but my first... When I see buy something like that, my first reaction as a writer is it's a byline, you know? Buy... The story is by ah, I, I, I never looked at it that way. I, I, I have a story in the current print issue of Sports Illustrated that was in our mailbox yesterday, and um, it had the it carried the tiniest byline in my of my career. 
I was looking at the opening spread. The tiniest byline. That would be a pretty great um, name for a novel. Yeah, well, with a tiny byline on the cover. Uh, I've I've had my byline left off a story. I did a, a feature story in a college basketball preview in the 90s on Bryant Big Country Reeves of, of Oklahoma course. State. And it had this beautiful art type that, that was used throughout that issue. And the bylines were in this big, beautiful sort of Western font art type. And then even a little bit wavy, I think, the, the letters were. And, and where my byline was supposed to be on the opening spread of that story was, was white space. They just forgot to put it in. Well, that they, editor Greg Kelly, the college basketball editor, and I've never, he was horrified, mortified, super apologetic, and, and I've never let him forget it. I mean, it's been over 25 years. Has, and, have you ever written a story and they put someone else's byline No, that hasn't happened. Um, but uh, uh, but this week, hold me closer, tiny byline. It is it is an exceptionally small, curvy, kind of curly cue. I always like to see the byline, not only because I'm an egomaniac who enjoys seeing my own name, but because you know it looks different each time. And this time, it, it looked different in that it was only visible from. Uh, through, just, through a Hubble telescope. Pragmatically, it doesn't make any sense. I would imagine, I don't know this for sure, but I would imagine the Sports Illustrated reader is getting older and perhaps their bylines and fonts should be, the magazines should be getting much, much larger. The reader, larger. period, is getting older. That's true, yes. Um, I don't see... Most people, they're reading, all the reading they do during the day is the license plate when they see buy milk. Are you guys serious about this stuff? As a Rebecca Lobo set shot. Glass. But enough of this nonsense. What I'm really interested in talking about today, if you take nothing else away from this podcast, and, 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 and you, will, you won't. <laughs> no, and you will take nothing else away from this podcast, is what is wrong? You explain to me and to our, our listeners, what is wrong? And, and, and explain to the manufacturer of this fine product, what is wrong with individual serving-sized mashed potatoes? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with them. There's something wrong with you. <laughs> let me, let me, Would you let, like to tell the story? Well, I'll, or give, I'll, I? Give, I'll give a little bit of the background, okay. and then you can you can give your own version. Okay, I the, will the, give the, the accurate version. version. Okay. Okay. Uh, you bought mashed potatoes. Uh, I, I thought you had made them, but it turns out you had store bought them. A big last, tub of mashed potatoes. Last week, one of our meals um, was a roasted chicken, which I did not buy it already roasted. I roasted that chicken myself. Um, mashed we, put the, we put the chicken on the dais, and then various people <laughs> in, in tuxedos started insulting that chicken. Exactly. We, we roasted the chicken ourselves. I, I was proud of this dinner. It was roasted chicken, mashed potatoes. I made stuffing and um, honey carrots. But yes, the mashed potatoes, I just didn't feel like dealing with making them from scratch. So yes, and one I of our just the mashed potatoes. One of our finicky kids, as most of them are, uh, really enjoyed the mashed potatoes and the next day was looking for more mashed potatoes. The next day, it, it was time for her to, I think she's just having a snack and she said, do we have any of those mashed potatoes Correct. left over? And I said, uh, no, we don't. And she probably had a little disappointed look on her face. She was disappointed. No, so she didn't want any of the leftover stuffing or the leftover chicken. She was disappointed, no mashed potatoes. So being the good father that I try to be, I went to the grocery store the next day the next day, I was not home. You weren't home. You asked the kids. You needed to give provide them lunch, I believe. I said I would go out. I would go to any fast food restaurant of their choice as long as it was only one choice and not four different drive throughs Or I would go to the grocery you store. You go to the grocery and pick up some food for lunch. And they asked, as they always ask, well, what 
what can we have? And I said, the grocery store has anything. Anything you can dream of, they have. Anything you want for lunch, I will get it. And they still couldn't name anything. So I said, so you went. I have to go. I'll, I'll get something at my discretion. And I got something that I knew our son would like. I got something that I thought the others would like. And then I saw, uh, I believe it was Bob Evans brand, individual serving sizes of mashed potatoes. I didn't know this existed. Mm-hmm. I was delighted that they did. I thought it was a great idea, uh, not only to make them, but for me to buy them. I bought them. I brought them home. And you and our daughter looked at each other in disbelief. Even even our daughter, who claims to crave and love and want to eat mashed potatoes, thought this was an asinine move. Okay. So the prior day, she- And I don't understand why. Two days before, she had enjoyed mashed potatoes with dinner. The next well, day- That was two days ago. The next day, she said, oh, do we have any of those leftover mashed potatoes? No. Okay. So then you asked the kids if they wanted anything for lunch. They didn't give you concrete answers, so you went and you came back. One thing you didn't get, because that night I needed to make sandwiches for the next day, you didn't get any cold cuts. So there was you couldn't we couldn't make cold cuts. I also believe we may have been out of bread. So you asked them what they wanted for lunch. They didn't give you an answer. You didn't come home with cold cuts. You didn't come home with bread. You came home with an individual serving size of mashed potatoes. So you had brought them home, and our daughter just said to me, she said, Mom, Dad asked me what I wanted for lunch, and I didn't really give him an answer, and he brought me mashed potatoes. Well, you're, you're saying now that... <laughs> I mean, it was... And I said to her, I said, what you have to understand is your father was trying to be thoughtful. He's just so bad at it that he couldn't, he couldn't bring home, like... Real, like, real lunch food. He couldn't say, all right, these are all the things I've got, and these are the cold cuts I've got, and the bread I've got, and the rolls I've got, and the this, that. said, in his brain, like, he was really being thoughtful. He they, just they, doesn't they, understand how this works. She wouldn't have eaten a sandwich. And, and these are kids, and she actually, you, both of you uttered the line, mashed potatoes are not an entree. <laughs> now, these are kids who eat eat applesauce for lunch and they're concerned with what is or isn't an entree the definition I mean, of an entree an entree think about that think about that it may have been a snack like that night she was just like a little peckish and wanted to snack and the mashed this potatoes was, are, are in there now this was lunch i know but it, i think anybody at home can understand what i'm saying like i because i've been married to you for Oh, our anniversary is coming up. I've been married to you for almost 17 years. I understood that like this was this was you being thoughtful and sweet. It was just a miss. Yeah. <laughs> it was a miss. <laughs> it, it was thoughtful and sweet. And and we've been married over 17 years. We will have been married almost 18 seven. years. 18? Yes, we were married in 2003, and this is 2021. Okay. So we'll be married. Eight, we'll be married 18 years, and we're we're on the road. Like, you know, I mean, another 18 it, years it, from it, now, that's going to be both of our it, entrees: breakfast, it, lunch, and dinner. It has it's only be, seemed like 17, right. but yes, it's, we're we're only going to be eating mashed potatoes. But um, individual serving sizes. But the best part about this is when our 14-year-old and I just looked at each other it, with you in the room, and we just. It was one of those moments with your child where you, it was like she was thinking, I kind of get it now, mom. Do you remember? <laughs> I kind of get it. Do you remember that home improvement show on ABC, Extreme Makeover, Home Edition, where yeah. they would build, hundreds of people would build a family, a house in like three or four days. Yes. And uh, then they would have to pay exorbitant taxes on this yes. mansion that they built in a 
on the site of their previous home, they would always do that where, you know, they would say, you know, oh, Billy, what what, what, what are you interested in? He'd say like, I don't know, I guess I kind of like fishing. So they make an entire room or wing of the house a fishing theme thing. When the kid you know, could care less, you know, you could take fishing or leave it. And I think when our daughter said she had a hankering for mashed potatoes, I took that to mean, okay, eat some mashed potatoes for lunch. Right. And, and now I realize the error of my ways. Well, shall we get to viewer mail, Rebecca? I think we shall. Big bad book, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. Our first viewer mail comes in uh, from Roger, the waving Colorado cyclist, who has ridden so much already this year that he has run out of points to earn. And what he's referring to is this. Our company provides something sort of like the workout rewards that Dr. Siegel gets, however, not nearly as generous. The whole program allows you to accumulate points for things like workouts, participating in fitness challenges, races and events, participating in wellness classes and seminars, as well as getting your yearly physical flu shot, dental exams, other medical procedures some of us older folks get. I will spare the gory details. And even this year, your COVID-19 vaccines. Roger, that reminds me, I get my first, I'm scheduled to get my first shot on Thursday. Can I just interject here that um, that was a boss mom moment for me, but a sort of a boss wife moment for me because I was getting ready to head off, I think it was Sunday, to be in the studios for 12 hours, 8 hours, whatever it was. And um, before I did that, I made your vaccine appointment. You did. Uh, I had already been texted by the state of Connecticut that I, I was eligible and I could sit tight and they would call me. When an appointment is available, but you went on a it's like a bad dating pharmacy app. website and got me an appointment. I got you one instead of you sitting around waiting. I went and got you one. Well, one point, Roger writes, equals about a penny when all is said and done. And a forty-five minute workout at sixty percent plus of your heart rate, or one that burns three hundred calories, or meeting a ten thousand step goal gets you fifteen points, or basically fifteen cents. I think Roger is basically saying, you know, what kind of financial uh, reward right. is this for me? I'm going to burn three hundred calories for a penny. Right. Forget that. And I, 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 I is can, that is that what he's saying? No, no, he's keep saying, that's what I'm saying. Why don't I keep reading instead of putting words in his mouth? A 100k bike ride, if it is to meet a challenge or part of an event, will net you 500 points, and there are smaller amounts for shorter running, cycling, or other types of events. The thing is, they limit the number of points you can rack up for fitness activities. And right now, I'm only 85 points or just under six workouts away from maxing out for the year. So by the end of March, I will be able to get back to being a couch potato. My wife wishes, and sit around watching March Madness and cheering on my beloved Husky men and women. And send get well wishes to coach from Colorado when you talk to him, Rebecca. By the way, Rebecca, I am hunting to see if I can find a Lobo bracket for both the men's and women's challenges on ESPN. And if you read this before the tip of the tourneys, let me know where they are. I apologize to you, Rebecca, to uh, producer Denny Gallagher, and to you, Roger. Denny did send uh, links to uh, our bracket challenges. And we just didn't do them. You know what, though? We did, I, I, you know, I'm in an annual bracket challenge and and tip the first game had tipped off of the men's tournament before i had even registered so I'm, i don't have a bracket this year i could right at this moment fill out a men's bracket and it would be fair because you don't know who's only, in the sweet 16 no I, I i have no idea who's in the sweet 16 but i know that loyola upset illinois that is the only you know result that you know I'm what the yukon men oh i know the yukon men lost yeah i do know that um well oral roberts is, they is beat in the somebody, Sweet 16. Right? Oh, there are they in the Sweet 16? They are. Nice. Um, Loyola, where our, our nephew goes and was once floor mates with Sister Jean. 
That's right. And Sister Jean, there is a Sister Jean bobblehead on the desk of one of our uh, daughter's teachers at the high school that they go to. I didn't know so, that. Very nice. I'm, I am, uh, I'm pulling for Loyola. Uh, I usually lose, writes Roger, because uh, she doesn't let her allegiances get in the way of, this is what she's referring to his daughter. My daughter, a college coach herself, always has fun this time of year. I usually lose because she doesn't let her allegiances, alliances get in the way of her bracket, but the bragging rights when I occasionally do win are worth it. Now, speaking of the daughters, oh, this daughter's a college coach now, understand, okay? Mm-hmm. Men's or women's? Well, if she's a female, she's coaching women because there aren't opportunities to coach men. So that was a dumb question. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, oh, and my daughter was born in a year you might remember, 1995, and of course is a Husky fan. She has been to the shrine of women's college basketball known as Gamble, and the Huskies were playing Georgetown that day, and I do remember it was a bitterly cold day in stores, even colder than the normal bitterly cold, and we were begging for tickets to the sellout outside the arena. It was January 10th, 2004, and the high for the day was 12 degrees. So a ticket broker, in quotation marks, outside the arena took pity on my daughter with her sign asking for tickets, saying she had come all the way from Colorado, and he sold us tickets at face value. My daughter even got to run the floor that day, putting on the number three D-sized jersey, shorts, and full-sized D-kicks during one of the commercial breaks as she got to shoot for a basket. Damn, enjoy your kids. They grew up way, way too fast. And if, if we needed any further proof of this, here is a picture of her daughter at Gample that day, I guess nine years old. Um, That's crazy. So 2004 would have been Diana Taurasi's senior year. They won the national championship that year. Unbelievable. Wow. Yeah, people are there filling it to the rafters. And it looks exactly as it does today, except that it was more than two decades ago now. Right. And, and this nine-year-old girl is... No, no, not two decades. Yes. Oh, no. 17 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I lose track of what year it is. I, uh, but you'll call me when I'm a year off on our anniversary. I'm sorry. <laughs> I... I, 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 I lose track of what year this is at Gample Pavilion, but I do remember our, our wedding anniversary. So, um, so yeah, more evidence that time is, is fleeting. Ah, Mark Simon, our friend in Pennsylvania. Hi, Rebecca Shun. I have not corresponded in a while, but the algebra lesson and calculations from episode 161 prompted me, the official statistician of your podcast, to write in. As you were calculating how long it would take him to get through 60 episodes, I was wondering about the following. Remember a previous... Yes, last week. Yes, okay. How many of your listeners are completionists, writes Mark? In other words, how many have listened to all now 162 episodes? 162 being a good point to ask. It's the number of games in a baseball season. By the time you've read this, I will have righted a wrong and listened to episode 90, Lily and Lobo, after which I can certify myself as a ball and chain completionist. Ah, why ninety, Mark? Why had you skipped ninety? Was it was it uh, Denny's headline, Lily and Lobo? Oh, you know, referring what that to was. Christine Lily, I think. Yes, actually. that yes. was a Q and A I did with Christine. Yes, yes. After a Connecticut Sun game, so I'm guessing it was because he really listens for the the uh, the Steva in the Restiva, and since I, I, Steva I, I, was not part I, of I, it, he had not listened. Certainly not the case. Um, Besides Dr. Gary and I, how many others are out there, asks Mark. This inquiring mind wants to know. Yours and Frank Pepe's Pizzas, Mark Simon in Pennsylvania. Uh, Mark, I, I hope we are able to renew our annual lunch at Frank Pepe's Pizza in West Hartford. And That's a great question, though. How many ball and chain completionists are there? 
That's a great question, and, and, and perhaps, well, some of them... You're not one. Those you, who are, you didn't listen to the episode no, no, no. 90 either. No, uh, certainly not. I, I do hope that... Well, I mean, I, I've listened to every single episode live as, as it has been recorded. Except for that one. You weren't there. And except for portions of those episodes where you were talking. Right, exactly. But I've listened to every word that I've said in all of these. Mm-hmm. Um. Hi, Restiva, writes Ralph in Maryland. I checked today's and earlier editions of the Washington Post and noted the Yukon version in headlines. U hyphen con. Remember, Rebecca, I told you that. It's yeah, actually U hyphen con, period. Last week. Which is bizarre. Mm. Uh, but in the copy referred to it, but in the copy, it was referred to as Connecticut. It also headed as Connecticut in the brackets in the TV listings. Yukon would save ink if nothing else. When I Googled Yukon, the search asked if I meant Yukon with a dash. The search asked if I meant Yukon. So, Rebecca, uh, this is me. Now, your husband talking. Is the University of Connecticut officially UConn? I, uh, I believe I, it I, is. I find it weird when it's referred to as Connecticut in print, but of course it is. The, in the same way that Maryland is referred to the University of Maryland as Maryland or the University of uh, Washington is, is... But I, I believe they changed the sign signage, the signs coming into campus a few years ago from the University of Connecticut to UConn. The search also netted an article, writes Ralph, about Shea Ralph's return to Connecticut to tend to a family member's positive COVID test. I guess that leaves it up to Jamel to hold Chris back if need be. Did we talk about that on the podcast? Get back coach, yes. Get back coach, who's going to hold. She always holds uh, I'd be more worried about Jamel getting the technical, though. So then which player or trainer is then going to hold Jamel back? When Jamel and I played three years together at UConn, there was no holding Jamel back. Well, that leaves only our uh, double OBGYN. Are, are licensed to kill, but he wouldn't. Li- no, licensed to bring life into the world. Licensed, licensed to live. Yes, I like that better. Dr. Gary Siegel. Dr. Siegel writes, Dear Rebecca and Steve, I was laboring away on the elliptical as I listened to last week's podcast, and while I enjoyed Rebecca's extensive comments regarding basketball, I began to wonder what topics would be germane for this week's note. I had already chuckled at the newly established law firm of B.B. Zadie and Poozie, since my typographical error has transformed my daughter and now my granddaughter's nickname forever. I then realized that Rebecca's commentary regarding basketball defense applied, of course, to child rearing. Since we have two children, we always had the option of man-to-man or zone defense. However, families with a higher number of children than parents had to go with zone defense, and I have no doubt that you may even employ the full-court press against your four teens and tweens. Additionally, along with other viewers, we would love an update on your oldest daughter's driving experience. Well, first of all, Dr. Siegel, I, I would say that we are, have for a long time now, have been playing prevent defense where we know we're going to give up uh, 60 points. We're just trying to minimize the damage. So and I'm basically your get-back coach. You are my get-back coach. And and as far as an update on the eldest driver's, the eldest daughter's driving experience, uh, I believe the driving exam is she still has to take behind the wheel, right? She has to take her behind the wheel classes. She's got, I think, eight or so hours to do with an instructor. They will be the ones to take her on the real, real highway for the first time. We've taken her on sort of highways, but not real highways. But she's she's driven me plenty in yeah, recent weeks. She's, um, I mean, we, let's not say when it is, because if she fails, we don't really want to talk about that. <laughs> I think she'll sake. do fine. But I, I think she'll do fine, when I'm When I'm riding shotgun with her, I always have the... Uh, feeling like like driving Miss Daisy or something that I'm now the elderly uh, passenger and she's the she's yeah, the young she's she's doing just driver fine. with with great eyesight Steve writes Dr. Siegel I've inadvertently not thank you for your skilled wordplay that is so common and enjoyable in all of your writing DGS the double OBGYN is awfully clever indeed thanks also to Denny for the fine musical introduction to my emails I've heard 
other people say they enjoy the I've the heard Dr. It Siegel. Sounds lovely. I said I've heard other people say that they are also oh. enjoying the Doctor. Of course, I've heard it. What do you, oh, Rebecca? Okay. Please, I listen to podcast eighty-seven. <laughs> okay. I am the incompletionist. There I, was I no walk-up music in eighty-seven. When you mention names that are commonly heard on the podcast, such as Steve and Tom, you also mention names not heard much. Herman and Gretchen. My late father-in-law was named Herman, and I know who, and I know two OBGYN colleagues who are both named Gretchen. Coincidence? Who knows? Well, coincidence, I've read, and so therefore it must be true, that there was a disproportionate number of, of dentists who named their sons Dennis. Or there are a disproportionate number of dentists named Dennis. Which one? I think the, the, the latter. Because, because that your would son, be your nominative determinism. Right, and your father is Dennis, and he was the son of a dentist. That's this, what always makes oh, me right. think of it. Interesting. Yes. Okay. So I, but I don't know why Gretchens would become OBGYNs. Me neither. But who knows? Um, how how could viewer Tom in Missouri, who sold Nabisco cookies during college summers, know that my late mother used to make and my sister still makes a delicious chilled dessert using homemade whipping cream and Nabisco plain chocolate wafers? Another coincidence. Homemade whipping cream is that like whipped cream? Yes. What's the difference between whipped cream and whipping cream? Other than other than. Whipping cream is in the act of being whipped, and whipped cream has already been whipped? Well, you buy whipping cream. It's what I actually use when I make ice cream, homemade ice cream. You buy whipping cream. It's liquid, but then you whip it, <laughs> and you turn it into whipped cream. Do you whip cream. it good? Yes. So good. <laughs> Do you crack that whip? <laughs> whip it. Whip it good. Okay. That, that's uh, our hidden... Easter egg of, of, of uh, musical lyrics for, for today. Uh, as I continue to exercise, writes Dr. Siegel, viewer Phil mentioned a word problem. How could he know that there was a word problem in a recent Peanuts cartoon in our local paper that stumped Peppermint Patty? Coincidence? Intrigued, I tried to solve it and sent a copy of the problem to my son and to my brother, both of whom have good math minds, as do I. My brother, an attorney, asked via email if he was still in ninth grade and didn't attempt to solve it. <laughs> My son, who made 800 on SAT math around 20 years ago, tried a longhand solution before plugging it into an Excel spreadsheet to solve it. Now, those are two different approaches, Rebecca. What am I, still in ninth grade? And making an Excel spreadsheet to solve it. I, I would have it. gone with the former. I worked on it in longhand and eventually solved it as well. The cartoon and solution are below. I have no doubt that two or three of your children could solve this much more quickly than my son or I did. I, I hate to say it, but that Peanuts prob cartoon was probably originally published in the 1980s, 70s perhaps, and maybe the solution was available via Google. But we'll see. Uh, thank you for continuing to entertain us and allow us into your world. I will end with a simple fact that when my wife and I were visiting and babysitting our 21-month-old granddaughter, she was called her given name, her nickname, my daughter's name by me a few times, and pup at least once by my wife and more than once by me. Fortunately, she answers or ignores whatever she pleases. I wonder if is pup what they call their pooch? And therefore, I mean, I do this all the time, but I don't know. Lastly, Rebecca, thanks for clearing up my confusion regarding my fitness app. I've I've luckily hit the bonus of $1 of tenacity by achieving 10,000 steps a few times this week in addition to the $1 of intensity for aerobic exercise. I'll keep you all posted. All the best. Gary, the cartoon is attached as an image because that's what the computer did when I tried to paste it into the text. Sorry, here's the math. And there is an enormously complicated math equation attached that I can't possibly uh, uh, even comprehend, much less read we'll to you coherently. But uh, but it, it looks like 
and just, I don't want to spoil this. Just send it to me, and I will. I'll send it to you. But should I, should I read what the what he says the answer is? No. Or no, you'll post it, and I'll then and then it, people and then can figure. People it. can let us know what they think the answer. We'll is. We'll do that. And finally, Doctor Siegel encloses a link to a story from the Atlanta Journal Constitution about uh, COVID concerns for pregnant women, and the OBGYN on the front page referred to in this story is named Gretchen. Really? So I think we've got, you know... We're on to something. We're He's on to something. something. And, um, and that's about it. You've got to go. Yep. I have to go. We don't know if there'll be a podcast next week. If we can figure out the technology, how to do it with me in San Antonio and you here, then there will be. If not, we'll be back the following it, it, week. It has to be uh, uh, rudimentary technology. We just don't know how to do it. Yeah. Denny Gallagher has w- walked us through it like uh, like he's diffusing a bomb, and yet we still over the phone, but we we're still not sure how to do it. Yeah, but if we figure it out, there'll be a podcast. I was going to say, but you have to go. I have to go, and and our viewers have already left. <laughs> and on that note, Tom Dick Hari, play us out. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in this cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous, what we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.